Welcome to All Places Together. Here we believe that our stories are connected to one another and rooted in God's radical love for diverse creation. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, whatever you are, take a deep breath. We're joining with creation. It's Mountain Week. This week, we welcome Thomas Fulmer to All Places Together. Thomas is a project manager who worked in cybersecurity and now works in education. He studied finance at the University of Tennessee. In his free time, he enjoys playing tabletop role-playing games and video games with his family and friends, reading, and being a great pet dad to his dog and cat. Welcome, Thomas. We're so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm an okay pet dad, I think. (laughs) (laughs) You want to describe yourself as a great pet dad? I I just always feel like there's room for for improvement. I don't know. I, I, uh, I thought the other day that I haven't worked on training Jinx nearly as much as I should have. <laughs> so just, you know, a little insecure about the training level that I'm giving to <laughs> my dog. Well, they are both very well loved, which is what's very important. So <laughs> it's true. And a little spoiled. Excellent. That's how we like it here at All Places Together. <laughs> so tell us, where is home and what makes it special? As I've been listening to the podcast, and then when you asked me, as I thought about it more and more, I <laughs> I realized I couldn't think of a uh, specific place, right? Which I know has been fine before. So, so then getting to think of where where that actually was became a uh, um, looking for a feeling, right? That that feeling I think that uh, I've heard you talk about on the podcast of home, yeah, and I. Realized it's uh, it's very much a it varies by who the people are, but it is sitting around in a room where there's not a game on, there's not TV on. Maybe we're outside around a fire and just chit chatting. It's it's a it's a group of people of the variety various group of people, but I picture my uh, um, my grandparents' uh, house in South Carolina. That was what, you know, there's like seven brothers and all of their families, everyone sitting around chatting to each other, chatting back and forth, chatting back and forth. That, um, when I go home now, just sitting and just chit-chatting with my parents, um, you know, when I think of places I've lived and when friends have come over, you know, I think of a New Year's Eve party or something where everyone's just sitting around chit-chatting, you know, maybe there's something on in the background, but that's where, um, I don't know. That's where my, uh, as I thought more of what home is, it, it, I know that's kind of general and vague, but it's, it's that, it's that sitting around that where you're not doing anything else very specifically. You're not watching a game. You're not doing nothing. It's just the chit chat. Yeah. I love that. And I, I think too, like that flexibility of wherever it is, again, that it's about the people I think that's a common experience, and I love how you've articulated that. And I think I think uh, moving around a lot as a kid made it to where there's not, and you know, I, I don't have an image of any specific rooms or anything like that either. Sure, yeah, and I think that makes sense too. I mean, I've moved around a lot as an adult. Like my parents still live in the house that they brought me home from the hospital too, but I think. Moving so much as an adult, home just becomes more fluid, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I met Thomas when I was a sophomore in college when he was in the middle of doing something very special. In 2006, Thomas hiked the Appalachian Trail from north to south. And as it is Mountain Week here at All Places Together, Thomas is here with us to share his experiences of being on the AT. I know lots of people who love to hike. I love to hike. I know lots of people who call the mountains home. I call the mountains home now. But he is the only person that I know, like that I know of, who has through hiked the AT. And so I'm just so excited for him to be here and share his experience of being in the mountains for such a long period of time. It's just 
kind of amazing. And I'm really happy you survived the experience because it seems quite daunting to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what that seems to be people's first reaction is the danger, right? Like there's bears and serial killers or whatever else is on there. <laughs> so remind us. I imagine most of our uh, United States listeners would be familiar with what the Appalachian Trail is, but can you tell us again, like, where it starts, where it finishes, like, how long it is, kind of like the basic stats? For most people, most people go south to north and uh, starting in Springer Mountain in Georgia and northeast Georgia and going up to uh, Katahdin is the mountain in Maine, but I went southbound from Katahdin in Maine to Springer Mountain in Georgia. The whole, my year, it was 2,175 miles. This year, I, it varies as trails have to, you know, switchbacks change or trails get washed out and they have to make, you know, it's just trails shift and move. Uh, it's a little bit of a living thing. I had no idea about that. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense and is very interesting to me. Okay, so it's not like a set, number of miles no it's anywhere from that 2100 to 2200 i think is normally the right now it's i i think it's 2190 or so is where they've got it right now what else was it it goes through i think 13 states i want to say but it's mostly just if if you're um if you can picture a map of the u.s it's kind of just along the eastern seaboard but inland inland a ways <laughs> sure so what made you make the decision to start in the north instead of the south? It's it's generally very, uh, very true that the physical aspect is not the difficult part. It's the mental or emotional aspect of hiking the trail, which as most things that are lengthy like that, you know, it's it's. Um, that's where the, the trouble is, if you will. You know, it's not that your knee gives out, although your knee may give out. Like, that's a serious consideration. It's really that you get two months in and you haven't had a hot meal and you're sick of being outside and all. And so going southbound, because I'm originally, um, I grew up in Cleveland, Tennessee, just outside of Chattanooga. It's It was really walking home, <laughs> mm. which made it kind of emotionally and there I went. I said there wasn't a home, and then I called something home. But in any case, <laughs> um, it felt like uh, well, no, that's where all those uh, that's where all those groups of people were. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it still fits. But um, it was walking home more than it was um, just a hike that's really long. If that makes that was kind of the differentiator and why I chose to go south. Um, it was also, uh, I think, functionally, it was probably going to be tough to go north because that Katahdin Mountain um, is, I think they close it in October or so, unless you have, like, if you have climbing gear and you've taken a full class of climb, like, it, it becomes pretty treacherous, just it's far enough north to not be safe between October-ish and May-ish or so. Yeah. So it's, if I would have started in June, because I started in early June, it would have been pretty tough to, you know, get up there by October, especially with the meandering uh, my ankle decided to put me on. <laughs> sure. I I remember that, that complication with it. So you've already kind of alluded to it, but what were some of those day in and day out challenges of being in the mountains for such a long period of time? Because it was like six months you were hiking, seven months? Yes, I was out there for, I think, seven, seven and a half months, but six months of actual hiking. There were a couple of weeks here and there where either I stopped somewhere or the other or or had uh, when I first uh, I had a busted ankle. And actually, that's a big one um, is the the when you're first um, when you first get started is that physical aspect. Um, the emotional doesn't set in until you know, you've been there a while for, for most people, <laughs> but, um, but yes, so six or seven months. Um, but the day to day, it really starting out, it was the, um, it was the physical is your, you know, your body can hike for 10 miles, 15 miles. Great. That's easy. But then doing it days in a row, you start to 
find some of those, your knees start to ache, maybe a shoulder is a little bad, maybe an ankle, you know, you turn an ankle eventually, like there, you find those things that aren't weak necessarily in short bursts, <laughs> but over the long haul, you, you, you know, all of us have those little, little weaknesses <laughs> that, Definitely. That, that come out. And I said the emotional doesn't take, uh, doesn't set in for a while, but I, I remembered um, as I was, as I was just kind of reminiscing back and looking and then looking in some of the journals I have um, that the first day I got there. So basically you fly in, I stayed in Bangor, Maine, and then ended up taking, uh, it's basically a cab service to uh, the campsite that's at the bottom of Katahdin, right? And so you stay in that, what I did, I stayed in that campsite that night and then hiked Katahdin the day, came back. So when I got there to the campsite, there was somebody who had done Katahdin the day before planning the through hike and flagged down my cab that as we got there and said, no, I'm not doing this. Oh, no. <laughs> so the one of the first, uh, thankfully, I had a flight with another through hiker. So he wasn't the first person I talked to. But the second through hiker I ever spoke to was somebody who was quitting after the first day. <laughs> did you know why? Like, did they say why? Are there just like, peace out. No. I'm leaving. Bye. Good luck. <laughs> It's like, nope, that was more than I bargained for. I don't want to do this. And uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know if it was, maybe it was the mosquitoes. I don't, I, I don't know what it was. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. So you, so you got on the trail and you, you did it anyways. <laughs> yeah. That's a, yeah. But it was a, it was a bit of a discouraging way to, to start, especially with Katahdin isn't the, uh, um, isn't the easiest mountain, right? You know, it's in Maine. It takes them. There's a little bit of bouldering, not a ton. You know, most people can do it pretty easily, but, um, but yeah. And then, and then right after that, um, one other, I guess, emotional and physical issue day in and day out at the start is the first thing you, um, after Katahdin, you next go through the, uh, if you're going southbound, you go through something called the hundred mile wilderness, Oh. Which is basically there's not a road like you can't hitch anywhere, you know. Like most 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 of the trail, because it's along the eastern seaboard, you can get to a gas station and fill up on supplies or whatnot. But it is a there's one little shop, and then you don't have anything for a hundred miles. Which when you're starting out is more like seven to ten days than it is later on when that's just you know four or five maybe so yeah that's a little bit intimidating as well and a little bit painful because you have to haul seven to ten days worth of food <laughs> which you don't have to do <laughs> later on you can you can stock up at stores along the way versus that mm -hmm. wow that is intense and i think day in day out there's a bit of that um i know early on especially but uh, it is that kind of getting used to getting in a flow, to zoning out, to not being just bored out of your mind, you know? I <laughs> said, so did you hike most? I mean, you hiked it alone, but there are other people on the trail. So, like, what are some of those interactions? Like, would you hike alongside someone for a certain length of time or? Yes, there was a, uh, there was a guy, um, there was a guy who I saw in, I think we met in maybe Vermont, may have been New Hampshire, and the last time we saw each other was in Virginia, I think, and we hung out and kind of, but he hiked way faster than me, so we would we would plan a, he was probably, I swear he was hiking like four and a half miles an hour or something, I mean, it was, wow. he was fast, and, uh, and I, you know, if I had a three and a half to four, I was excited for the day, you know? Um, so, but, but a lot of it is planned, you know, you're, you're um, playing, but in any case, uh, that's one example. Um, there are a bunch of, <clears throat> it, it's funny. It's a, a little, um, it's a little bit of a, um, there's a community, you know, you're, you run into people, there's gossip that goes both ways. <laughs> it flows back and forth. You, uh, you'll know about a group that he's, 
that people are pretty sure that they stole a knife from some guy or something, you know, or they took his stove or something. There, there's those kind of little back and forths. It's, it's, um, which is really funny in the age of, because it was before, um, like I didn't carry a cell phone. I carried phone cards, right? Cell phones were pretty common at that point. It was sure. But it wasn't, they weren't light enough or charged enough. You know, it, it wasn't something that you there could have. Yeah, there weren't like solar chargers that you could use <laughs> or like battery packs to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and so it was, yeah, phone cards, which I don't know, uh, a, a number of your listeners may not even know what those are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, leave a comment if you don't know what a phone card is. And us <laughs> geriatric millennials would be very happy to explain it to you. <laughs> but, but there was a lot of, it, it was interesting because it's a funny um as we, I think you alluded to, I did read the New Testament maybe a couple of times. I don't know. It, it, when it's uh, at some point, whatever book you're carrying, even if you finish it, that's the book you're reading. You know, you, sure. You don't have any. You know? um, so that was one that was an interesting. In a lot of those things in the Gospels, I think in in reading through them as a kid. And then even as an adult later, you kind of skim over the, and then they walked to Galilee or oh. walked from Galilee. And it's easy to skim and skim because it's, there's not much there, right? But it, it's a funny, after being in that situation of walking 40 miles over a couple of days with some people, yeah. there's a, it makes them, it, 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 for me, it made a lot more depth in that. You know, mm. it's like these, these, these 12 guys, they were, they knew each other really well, you know, <laughs> when, you, yeah. when you walk together, sit and grab lunch together, those kinds of things. Um, I don't know. It's just an interesting little, um, as, as I was, again, reading my journals, just, just noticing some of those little, little passages, especially in the gospels, it stands out of them walking together is a big, deep thing that people do, you know, in, in those, um, and, and that happened a lot. You get to know people really well because you're, you know, you stop for lunch and chit chat and you, you know, you're honest, you're as honest as possible because you're never, you might never see them again. There's no, sure. everyone has trail names, you know, everyone, you know, it's, it's. Tell us about the trail names because I've heard some of that story, but I don't know that all of the listeners would be as familiar with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, for safety and to prevent, well, mostly for safety, <laughs> is is most people will get a trail name because it is a, you're just, it's not that it's necessarily unsafe, but you just, it's, it is safer to have a uh, pseudonym that you're known by, right? <laughs> and it may be, you know, some, somebody called, you know, a bear cat or something or, one of the the guy that I that I knew really well, he was called Beater, which was um, well, I guess the origin of that isn't really kosher, just because it was the type of shirt he wore was oh, a, uh, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, which is but problematic yeah. yeah we've learned since then yeah 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 but that's what he's in my head he's Beater you know sure <laughs> they, thankfully it wasn't the whole word I guess it's the yeah. <laughs> But so you have these pseudonyms and that's what you'll sign, you know, most every, uh, there are, one thing I didn't mention about the trail, there are shelters every 10 to 15 miles through the, throughout the Appalachian Trail. They're kept up by a lot of local hiking groups and uh, they are very much uh, trail angels for doing that. <laughs> um, but, but so yeah, you'll sit around in a shelter with those people. I don't know. It's, it's a... Um, there's a lot of really deep interactions, even though you're only with somebody for a couple of days or maybe just one night, you know, you're just crossing paths. Um, but each of those shelters has a uh, trail journal where people, it'll just be a notebook and people will write down, you know, ah, came here today, did this, or they'll write a little poem or just their thoughts or, you know, just log in, <laughs> you know, like a, like just their name. Um, but that's how you'll usually sign a trail journal. Um, but yeah, people get uh, people get those names a variety of different ways. Um, 
Mine was Fisherman Tom, which uh, because when we were in the uh, Hundred Mile Wilderness, there was a uh, a pond that we just ended up. Beside. Actually, it was a full lake, right? Like a, a massive lake. It couldn't see to the other end of it. And again, we're out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I, th- I hope the statute of limitations is passed because I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to fish there. But anyway, I tried to fish there, right? Like took my hiking pole and some floss and a needle and it was really stupid makeup. But then figured out like a Y-shaped stick with a mosquito head neck around, head, you know, head nets. I could just stand in the water long enough for them to swim over and lift it up. <laughs> and so I ended up catching like seven or eight fish and uh, we cooked them and just all, there were four or five of us just around that shelter and we, we ate them. And so that's where somebody, somebody named me Fisherman Tom. And that's a, that's a, as most pseudonyms go, that's a pretty hard and fast rule that you don't give yourself a trail name. You, you uh, earn it, if you will. Yeah, it's given to you. Yeah. Well, and that's so biblical, too. I mean, there's so many different naming stories throughout Scripture and name-changing stories, too. I mean, starting with Abram and Sarah become Abraham and Sarah, um, you know, as as they progress through their journey and their time with God and— um, Jacob becomes Israel, you know, which he goes from like being the heel grabber. He's the twin with Esau and he grabs, he comes out of the womb grabbing his uh, twin's heel, which is what Jacob means, um, like wrestler. No, and then Israel means like wrestles with God. And, and so this idea, yeah, that this experience is how you're named and goodness, of course, eating fish on the, on a lake shore. That's very biblical too. So there's lots of layers there. Yeah. And actually you mentioning Abraham or go ahead. No, you go. Oh, um, is, uh, I think of, gosh, I guess they're, ah, I I don't, the odds of that, but there were two brothers, one named, uh, and they named themselves Aaron and Moses. And everyone was like, one, you can't name yourself, but two, it's awfully bold to go with Aaron and Moses. Like, that's a pretty strong yeah. lead. Um, and they were, like, uh, it was a really odd, I, I remember them being, uh, one of them was accused of uh, of stealing a knife, actually. That's what I was thinking of, which was, yeah, you can't give yourself. A, <laughs> it was a. <laughs> well, and it's like, okay, yeah, sure. Aaron and Moses spend all of this time um, in the wilderness. If you're not familiar with them, they're the ones who led the Israelites from Egypt into freedom. But I mean, that wasn't really a smooth trip. I mean, it took 40 years. Like Moses doesn't get to go into the promised land. All the people whine all the time about food and water and they make the golden calf. Like it's very complicated. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's a better, if you're going to name yourself of biblical brothers, maybe there's better ones, but I don't know. Maybe there's not. Also, do you know, I don't, do they ever name the guy who had the idea for the golden calf. Cause you know, that was one person who had been pushing for it for a week beforehand <laughs> and just happened to get everybody in a stir when there was a, when there was a storm, right? I, I just picture there's one, one guy or girl who was like, now it's time to make the golden calf. Moses <laughs> is gone. Give me all your rings. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that person is named, but I, yeah, I, I'm sure you're right. <laughs> That just seems like something one person, like one was telling their buddies for long enough that they've, I don't know. It's just, but. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. So I wonder, you know, we've talked a lot this month at All Places Together about climate change and the effect that human activity has had upon um, the earth and the atmosphere and its not great news. And so I wonder, I mean, I know this hike was now 15 years ago for you and climate change has, of course, accelerated since then. Um, But I wonder if as you were hiking and, and just outside for that length of time, like, could you see like pollution or effects of climate change or like if you keep up with the hiking, like how is that changing today? So there's a um, some some of the because the trail is where it is right. There's some coal 
mm. areas, right? But not not really, I guess, directly on the trail. But I know in in uh, Pennsylvania is very well known for having significant areas that are just rocks. <laughs> um, yes. The reason, right? The right the the like the I think there's a specific at least one of one of the spots I know is specifically a zinc factory that just you know as it did its thing eventually soils just washed away and there are just rocks <laughs> and it's just rocks and rocks and rocks rocks the size of softballs bolt you know where you have to boulder it's a it's just well known for having a ton of rocks <laughs> I've heard so, of that section and I didn't realize <laughs> that it wasn't natural and uh, at least part of it isn't. Some of it, some of it may be. I, I don't. Um, yeah. I don't want to say over overarching, but I, I'm pretty sure that a significant chunk of it that soil washed away due to a number of factors that weren't weren't Mother Nature's, if you will. Sure. <laughs> that were uh, that uh, yeah that that were not a part of the cycle. Um, but I, I will say in defensive. Uh, that are not in defense of, but I know that Pennsylvania has made some real strides. I think since, since then, um, there are some, uh, there's some protected areas, like some fenced in areas that, uh, like to keep out deer, <laughs> right? So, so they don't eat up all the vegetation because, you know, going from rocks, my understanding, going from nothing to something, it's, you can't just like, okay, go. Like, <laughs> grow. Yeah. Yeah. There's some there's some buildup, I think, of the smaller plants and especially the leafy ones that they that they eat. Um I, I will say I think it also there's almost this um being there that long being um out on the trail that long, I started to become very sensitive to things that I never noticed before, like cars, mm. <laughs> you know, because we all, I think you can notice like a, a larger vehicle when it has a lot of output, you know, like, like if a semi is in there, you might like, Oh, cough, cough, you know, but I, I think there's a, um, it, it became a like, Oh, wow. Every car makes me shudder a little bit as I'm, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things that I was so used to as a just person doing day-to-day life that I think then you, you know, hitchhike on a highway to get to a gas station or to a Walmart or something. And you notice you're on that highway, like, oh my gosh, my eyes hurt. Like I feel, yeah. Wow. <laughs> like just taking in leaves and their output for, <laughs> you know. For however long. That's <laughs> fascinating. I mean, that makes so much sense, but I never thought about that before. And I will say it's a really neat, um, to, uh, on a, on a positive note, I think you end up seeing a lot of, uh, you know, there are people who take, it's basically, they take massive power tools into, to prevent washouts and to make sure that places are cleaned up and available and that they're keeping, you know, it's, it's, uh, sometimes cutting down a tree or something to make sure that the rest of the area gets protected. Like there are people, a lot of those, and through the Appalachian Trail, like I said, each of those um, uh, organizations, you know, throughout that dot the trail, they're doing things all the time to protect and prevent and, but, but encourage people to see it. I don't know. It's a really neat that there's just so many people along the trail that just give a lot or try to give a lot to the earth itself and kind of show people, <laughs> you know, the, the, those, the Appalachians. Yeah. That's so interesting. The level of community that's around, not just with the through hikers, but those surrounding communities and how that's a sense or a part of their identity as well. There's, there's people who, run hostels at $10. Uh, there's people I know are not making money <laughs> you know, or I feel they're not making much sure. um, to give those, uh, give people, you know, and, and there's a ton of, tons of instances of you go by and somebody set out a cooler that says like through hikers only, and it has like a Coke in there or something, you know, there, there's tons of things like that. Heck, um, me and a buddy uh, were, we were outside of a library. It was in, I cannot remember this, 
the city for the life of me. But it was like you're only in New York for a sliver, right? And it was the one, it was the one city that um, the one one big city in New York. I think it's the largest city that you pass on the trail. Which, and we had gone to the library, used our thirty minutes of of guest access to access our email, you know, just see. I think MySpace was still a thing. Um, yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were sitting outside and um, a lady came up to us with her four-year-old daughter and just said, hey, are you all hiking the trail? And we were kind of looking at each other like, yes. And she said, why don't you come to my house? You could do your laundry and take a shower, you know, and then I'll drive you back out to the trail. Right. So we you know, we did. Um, we went, we took the shower, we're sitting there, and it starts raining. And she basically waves her hand at us and is like, Y'all aren't going back out there. I'm gonna make a nice dinner and well and her husband comes home. And I I kid you not, I think she was very like you could tell was just followed her whims, you know, like and, and just gave like that. Cause he just kind of was like, Okay, you know, he just had that um I don't want to say defeated nature, but that kind of like, okay, this is something that we do. Yeah, like that this wasn't the first time and it also wasn't the last that she <laughs> has brought in hikers and feeded, going to feed you and let you get cleaned up and all that. And that's what, that's what I'll never forget. I have this mental image in my head of eating a de- just delicious um, Italian uh, meal and uh, whatever the salad she made beforehand was uh, just amazing. I don't know why that sticks in my head. But it was also the first time I ever saw the animated Mulan. I was sitting like, I, you know, just me, a uh, me, a glass of wine. And then like her four-year-old is just right beside me. And we are both just engrossed in because I had never seen it before. It's you a know? great it's, movie. Uh, <laughs> but it was just um she'll give you know. some inspiration for the the physical component of it of of conquering the 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 physical <laughs> things that she she goes through that and you did too yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> <laughs> that's such a powerful story of hospitality and welcome so thomas i wonder if and how did you experience God with you when you were on the trail? We've talked a little bit about how you had a Bible with you and you spent a lot of time reading it um, because that's the book that you had. But were there also some um, kind of like breakthrough moments where you really felt God's presence or had a spiritual moment like that? Yeah, I think uh, two things come to mind that kind of led to one big thing. <laughs> Um, that I'll kind of the first is that the walking for some reason the how much in the New Testament is walking and like hey I uh, I miss seeing you like the letters are like a trail journal I, oh, not to, not yeah. to diminish, but, but there's a lot of that back and forth the way that they spoke to one another the way they communicated was very much um, I mean in that time was very similar this it's it's all gossip or written letters. Like there wasn't anything else. You know? Yeah. And, um, so there's that portion of it, right? And then that combined with, um, I, I think reading the New Testament with no context around it was a really interesting, um, like it, it just, I think for growing up, it was a very, which I think you have to, it's, you know, you take a piece of scripture and it's huge. There's so much you can get out of it. But reading it more as a, flowing book made it um, kind of this, and it, and it all kind of culminated in there's a lot of uh, a few different places where I would come across a vista or something. And it was by far, I think, the um, closest I've ever felt to God because there's this by myselfness, um, there's just this lack of, yeah. um, because you are alone. You, you have no support. There's no, you've got the food on your back and that's it. You've got the water that you've, you got the water in your bottle, food at your back. And it, it's, there's something very freeing about that. And if you, as you look across, as you said, like look across the, across creation, it's a very, 
I don't know, the same way as when you see light through it. And I think we're all conditioned to like, oh, there's there's God smiling or it even more so. Like those sorts of things in the you know, in a vista, I think the 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 colors of the sky, the way that hills wrap into each other and, and uh there's just a lot of that is is kind of um when you're very much alone is maybe even better <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, because it's not I think about where we live, the Blue the Blue Ridge Parkway is really close. And you can drive up and down it and pull off and see these incredible views of the Appalachians, of the Blue Ridge. And there's beautiful sunsets and like the rolling hills and all of that. But it's all along the side of a highway. <laughs> and so I feel <laughs> like, like, you know, thinking about what you said about like the car and the exhaust and even just the noise for me, like it. I think it's hard to get get in the mood is not the, necessarily like the right phrasing of it. But I think I guess to get in the right mindset to really appreciate that fully. Um, but as you're describing that isolation and and independence and I guess also kind of like dependence on yourself and like the connection with the land and so far away from everywhere else, like it. It just makes perfect sense that it would be a more intense um, or more clear spiritual experience or a way of seeing God. In in kind of a different way that I, I just, I don't think, um, it, very organic, you mm-hmm. know, there, not, I guess organic, haha, but <laughs> you know, it, it really was a, I hadn't planned on that. I just, you know, it, it was really a culmination of, I think, I, I I want to say happenstance, but I doubt that's what it actually was. <laughs> yeah, well, and I love that. I love, too, how you were describing about reading the Bible and reading the New Testament um, as a story, like as, you know, straight through and not reading it for a purpose. I mean, I think even here at All Places Together, you know, we're a really non-traditional community in a lot of ways, um, a non-traditional Christian community. But I very much pick the Bible stories out specifically, you know, to to make a point, to make a parallel, um, to teach in a certain thing, you know, and and then, of course, very traditional Christian communities do that as well. Um, and I don't mean necessarily traditional in particular theology, more about like traditional as in like the level of organization, you know, like mm-hmm. a sermon and a Bible study, like you're going to like learn this particular thing. But how when you just that experience of just experiencing the story of Jesus on its own terms, like from mm-hmm. start to finish through the different gospels. I don't even know that I've really read the Bible like in that way. And so I just, I think that's really captivating and what, and what spiritual experiences that led you to and, and how you were able to see God kind of reading, reading it without agenda, I guess is maybe what I'm trying to say. It, it made a lot of the, um, I've always struggled with the letters Mm -hmm. Um, and then it's just because one, because people can like you were talking about a lot of times I feel like with the letters, people don't pull things out and then analyze them in good faith necessarily. Right. There can be some shuffling with the letters sometimes. Yeah. um, The letters, I I think, I I guess I already said it just, they really did read like a, I mean, that's, it's a letter to somebody that you can't go see. You have to send a letter to it. It read like I, 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 I pictured, um, like I can read, uh, I really like James, right? I never cared about James before that. Like it was just, it's this little four chapter, you know? Yeah. Little, um, I don't know. You you can hear a voice, I think, more often um, than maybe, or hear, hear a voice easier than I think like you're talking about when you, because when you pull and analyze it, it can lose its voice a little bit. I mean, but, but there's so much depth that you you have to do that a lot. <laughs> yeah, like the both and. And I think just how they're in in approaching scripture in both of these ways, there is power. And God, God is, of course, present in both of those. And we learn about God's 
God and God's truth in both of these ways. But yeah, the letters were written and meant to be experienced as a whole. They weren't meant to be read eight verses at a time, a week apart. You know, people would have sat down and listened to them on the spot. I mean, you think about if you get a letter, not many of us do letters anymore, um, but maybe you still do like a Christmas letter or something. You know, you don't open the Christmas letter and read a paragraph and walk away from it, you know? <laughs> I just pictured like Paul gets held up and they only get a page at a time. <laughs> it's like it stops. <laughs> it's like, oh no, the download corrupted. Like it's not working, right? Yeah. Well, and I too, I mean, just about the trail journal, trail journal. Is that the right notebook? The thing at the places? Yeah. What are they? I think it's trail journal, but now, okay. now it may be something else. Cause I know trail journal is something that people actually keep. There's a trail journal.org. Mm, interesting. Trail journal, I don't know. But where people will record their thoughts. And they've been doing that since there's some of them from way back. <laughs> since the internet began. Yeah. But I just love that collective storytelling that would happen. Like if you, I mean, it's got to be fascinating to get those notebooks and to be able to read through what people wrote. And, you know, if they're writing poems or writing notes, like what stood out to them that day that they felt like they needed to express to someone else, even if they weren't face-to-face. Goodness. So I wonder, you know, it's been over a decade now since you have done this. Like, are there lessons or takeaways, like habits? Like, how how has this experience changed you in the long haul? I think um, there's a certain amount of comfort with silence comfort with um comfort with waiting rooms huh <laughs> um, yeah comfort with um kind of nothingness you know just quiet stillness that i i think is a cuz my my initial nature is not not that way right and and it still comes out in some ways like a restaurant if somebody says the wait's 15 minutes i just ask to, like i don't want to stay there you know it's a it's a like i just have no patience but but, but in a lot of ways i think that that um that really has been a big is you know just fitting just fitting not doing anything sitting not looking at my phone a ton, you know there there's been um i've noticed i think overall i have a comfort with that kind of a thing that's uh that's come out <laughs> come out of uh that i think i think originated there because it really is not my my first instinct i think is is was or is a lot on some things usually to be like oh we gotta go gotta do something you know <laughs> I think there's a bit of a you just ran into so many people I I think it was it was because in my first attempt uh, attempted year of college beforehand you know a lot of people looked like me talked like me we were all very similar backgrounds and it was interesting going to a spot where um and and hiking isn't always super diverse uh or as diverse as it can be but you ran into a lot of people at different stages of life some people who you know i ran into a nurse who she did like six month nursing and then she hiked for six months like she did you know the six month contracts that's what she did she was in her mid-30s and that's what she'd been doing for the past 10, 15 years. And that's what she planned to keep doing for the next 10 to 15. You know, there's, there's uh, a lot of various lifestyles you run into. <laughs> um, I also learned I can eat a half gallon of ice cream in under 30 minutes. Oh my that's gosh. Right. That's a lot at of the, ice cream. At the halfway point, there's a, it's called the half gallon challenge. And that's what the, I think, uh, I think the goals, the goal might be 20 minutes now, but anyway, that's. <laughs> wow. Pretty. That's impressive. And you kept it down. Because you're walking at least 10 to 12 miles a day, you're burning seven, 8,000 calories. Uh, it actually, it became a big problem. Like when I got back from the trail, I was so used to eating whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. It's still like struggling to keep on weight, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it became like I 
just got used to that and had to like, oh, 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 oh let's go back now. <laughs> like I'm not burning that much anymore. I love that throughout this conversation, you've been able to weave in kind of all of these different aspects of life, right? Of being in creation and in God's creation and the importance of that and the beauty of that and some of the hardship of that as well of of how people interact with one another and how sometimes that interaction is full of grace and truth telling and you know like bearing your soul to one another and sometimes it's complicated and messy and gossipy too um and and the spiritual component of it as well and like this diversity and wanting more diversity and all of this. And I think all of these different themes kind of in their own way tie into um, the season of creation reading for today. And I know the other weeks we've started with it, um, but this week we're going to end with it. And so it's this reading from Isaiah. And Isaiah is one of the prophets in the Old Testament um, We talked about Jeremiah last week, and Isaiah is um, a prophet who the book is actually representative of a few different voices, um, but speaking to God's people at different points in time, kind of throughout this ancient history, and really trying to be more of a voice of encouragement, right? Jeremiah, who we read last week, was kind of a really harsh voice, and Jeremiah or and Isaiah has sharp edges too, um, but it's it's particularly this passage is painting more of what God's hopes are for people and for creation and what life can look like um, when we live in healthy and good relationship with God, with one another in the earth. Um, so I, uh, Thomas, would you read for us Isaiah 65, 17 to 25? For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it, or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days, or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth, and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Thank you. And just thank you for sharing your stories and helping us to grow in our appreciation of mountains. And I think strive to live in ways that protect the mountains so that we and the generations that come after us can have the type of experience that you have and then also, right, strive towards what Isaiah is talking about here, this place where all have what they need, all are fed and have meaningful work and are able to take care of one another, where even animals themselves somehow break through these ecosystems to be able to survive on plants alone, um, that we can that we can see every mountain as God's holy mountain and see God in those places. So thank you so much, Thomas, for being with us here at All Places Together. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you.
God, our creator, as we descend from the mountains, we celebrate the wonders of the wild that surround us. Help us to see in the surrounding landscape the places where the planet has been polluted and to empathize with the groaning of creation beneath us. Teach us to recognize that the hills are alive with your spirit and to rejoice with all our kin, especially the creatures of the wild. In the name of Christ, who reconciles and renews all things in creation. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. If you heard yourself or someone you know in these stories today, we hope you heard God too. The All Places Together pet blessing is just over a week away. Oliver, Stella, and Let It Go the Chicken are already signed up. Can you believe that we've got five chickens to bless but no cats? Where are all the All Places Together cat lovers? You can sign up your pet today via the link in the show notes. We have special animal tags that can adorn their collar, aquarium, or habitat of any kind. The service will be on Tuesday, October 5th at 8 p.m. on Facebook Live. Looking forward to seeing you there. To continue to see all places together grow, you can give through our website. Scroll to the bottom where it says Give to All Places Together and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. Thanks to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and people like you who have shared contributions. We know it can be hard to give financially, so know that we celebrate all the ways that you share the stories of All Places Together with the people in your life. The way that you share those stories over coffee or meals or even on your Facebook feed or Instagram stories. I know lots of y'all love hiking, so I hope you'll share this episode with the people that you hike with. Maybe you can even listen to it on the way to your next adventure. And until next time, remember that God loves you and that God is with you wherever, whoever, whatever, and however you are.